0: Welcome to the Grace Place Weekly Podcast. No matter your size, age, shade, or background, here you'll receive compelling lessons suited to help guide your walk with Christ and your relationships with others. Please join us now for this week's podcast, recorded live from Grace Place in St. Paul, Minnesota. Seated. Thank you. Again, I appreciate you being here today. You who are, we have a number of guests with us. Uh, we're thankful that our guests were here today. Thank you. Would you make our guests welcome this morning? Thanks. Glad to see you. And again, I'd like to invite you. If uh, you want to stay, we have a meal prepared downstairs. Uh, it's marvelous. Nate must have checked on what they're doing. <laughs> on uh, On Tuesday, this Tuesday afternoon at uh, one o'clock, we'll have a visitation, and at two o'clock, the funeral services for Jan Churchill. Uh, Bob Erickson is our coordinator and would like some help. If there's anyone that can be here to help minister to that family uh, in the morning to set up downstairs, we need someone who has time to come, a couple people maybe that could come about 10 o'clock, and then uh, some other people that will come and help serve. The funeral services at 1 and we will serve at 2, or excuse me, the funeral services at 2 will serve at 3. Um, could I just see a couple of hands of people that will volunteer to serve that day uh, for the, with the meal alright thank you can someone else is there anyone that can come early that day anyone off work that day they chose Tuesday can we come maybe early we'll help set up thank you so if you can be with us on Tuesday at 2 o'clock for Jan Churchill's funeral the family would certainly appreciate she died suddenly and uh The family's grieving, and all of them are together today, and I appreciate your prayers for that family. Some of you have had great losses. Some of you have suffered through tremendous pain and illness, and this this whole morning's been about giving thanks and praising God in spite of what you're going through. When Nate talked about some of you were here for the early songs, when we're talking about the river of God's spirit that flows through us, it's deep. And, and every now and then, we need to dig into the well of the Spirit and recognize that life is short. How many of you know that's true? Life is short. Sometimes it's not easy. But by the grace of God, he brought me through the last thing, and he's going to take me through this one. You believe that? I have a couple of verses to read to you today. I'd like to start with John chapter 3, the Gospel of John. Real common portion of Scripture. But I want to start in verse 14. We, we often look at John three sixteen, but I'd like to start in verse 14. And I want to talk to you today about blessings in disguise. Blessings in disguise. And I'll tell you before we read the scripture. Sometimes I don't see what God is doing. People, I've been pastor here for 21 years. I've been in the ministry for 40 years. And people think, well, Nate, a little while ago, didn't he say, if you got water problems, see the pastor? People think, i got the answers. I don't have the answers. You guys, I'm just Mickey friend. I don't have the answers. Is that all right? Is anybody disappointed? Might as well get, just get over it right now. Might as well just get over it right now. Sometimes I don't have a clue what God is doing. So I've tried to figure out how to have faith. And, and belief when I don't understand. And I, I think sometimes my success through all of it would be if I can just believe in God. I don't know if I can believe for an answer, but if I can just believe in God. How many of you ever come to the place where you just, if I can just believe there is a God? Well, I'm telling you that as I've gone through difficult times, uh, illnesses and pain and sickness and loss I've come to the conclusion now at 63 years old I've come to the conclusion he brought me through everyone at least I can think and believe that he can he can bring me through this how many of you have ever asked God to do a thing you wanted a miracle you needed a miracle you needed an answer from God you wanted it to happen overnight you needed it right now and it didn't happen it didn't happen right then. It, all, it became a process. I don't like that. I said, okay. I don't like that. I want him to do what I want him to do, right, and I want him to do it right now. And then it turns into a process, and I'm going, I, this is not what I, I did I didn't sign up for this. But I look back and realize something happened to me through the process. Something happened to my faith. Something happened to my idea about God something tempered my idea about life in the process. And so for a couple of weeks, I've been talking about the blessing of God, the blessing of knowing the good news, just knowing that God loves you, just knowing that can hold on to you. And I want to read from John chapter three, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That's referring to a story that when when Israel, the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt on their way to the promised land, they were they were in an area of the desert and snakes came out of the wilderness and out of the desert and many of them were were bitten by these snakes. And God said to Moses, "Make a make a brass serpent make a serpent out of brass and put it on a pole and lift it up. And if the people will look at that, they'll be saved. Well, that's the strangest story. How many of you think that is a strange story? Come on, that is weird. But the point is, Jesus is going to be that serpent. He's going to be the snake on the pole lifted up, and if people look at him, they'll be saved. So there was a reason that they went through what they did. There was a process. God was trying to show us someday Somebody's going to look to Jesus and they're going to be saved. And I've done that. I've looked to him when everything else around me was crumbling. I have looked to Jesus and he saved me, kept my mind, kept my spirit, right? So Jesus is talking about that. And then he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I believe in him. And then verse 17, one of the most powerful verses that we often just, we stop before we get here. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I'm going to read it one more time. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A few years ago, if you're, New to our church, we changed the name of our church to Grace Place. We are, as a congregation, evolving. We're reading more scriptures than what we read as kids, and we're seeing God bigger than what they told us. God's better than they told us. That He didn't come into the world to condemn me. I was, let me see, any of you come from a religion that was kind of fear based? Let me see the fear based religion. I was, I'm telling you, I was terrified of God. I didn't see God as good. I, I was afraid for myself and for everybody else. I was, a, I was, man, they preach hell, fire, and brimstone when I was a kid. And then I read this verse. He didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. I'm going, that's all I thought he came to do was to show me my wrong. But he sent him into the world to save us. Well, if that's what he sent him to do, then that's what he did. God's bigger than our sin. God's bigger than our failure. Do you see? God sent him. To be the Savior. Think about that. He sent him. Now, I have a problem in our family. My family have a reputation. If my wife says to me, go to the store and get a gallon of milk, and everybody's waiting, the kids are all there, they know, without a doubt, there'll be two bags of something coming home. We're not going to just get milk. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you walk in the door, most grocery stores, they've got the... Fruit and vegetables. You know they tell you to shop around the outside of the store instead of going to the inside. Well, man, I know strawberries get me, and then I see pineapple, and I got to have some. I got to have some of that. Then over by the milk, you know, I see that ice cream and that yogurt, and then I go just one aisle over, and you got cookies, and I come home with a bag of stuff. I can't just go. Can't send me. Don't send me to the store. Don't send me. Especially if you're trying to save money on groceries. When God sent his son into the world to save the world, don't you know he did that? I'm telling you he did it. That's awful quiet. Some of your past creeping up and gripping your heart. Are you sure? Yeah. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Somebody ought to say, thank God, that's a great verse. I didn't write that, you guys. It's been there the whole time. Right? So when we think about calvary and the cross of jesus and him dying on the cross we we see such brutality what a price to pay but we see a blessing in disguise right we see it we go oh that's the price he paid he demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners he died for us (laughs) hallelujah that's a blessing in disguise i used to feel bad about it uh, next Sunday, if you're a guest with us today or if you're a part of our church, next Sunday we're going to receive communion. And, uh, I just—I need my water bottle. Thank you. We're going to receive communion. And uh, if you don't know what that means, it'll be a small meal. Yeah, we're going to have biscuits and honey. Butter. Big glasses of grape juice. Because we celebrate the fact that he died for us. We're not weeping over it. We're not mourning over it. We don't do anything traditional here. But if you've never seen communion taken with people laughing and shouting and praising the Lord, you ought to do that. You ought to come one time and see how we line up the fresh rolls and butter and honey. It's because it's a blessing in disguise We figured it out. He's alive. He's not dead. They used to give us a little tiny, I used to do it, little tiny cracker that you know would suck the moisture right out of your mouth. Uh, Am I right or not? If you didn't get that thimble full of wine or grape juice fast enough, you'd be choking. Am I right? And communion was physically difficult like that. And also there was this horrifying aspect that that we killed him. Well, listen to me carefully. Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to crush him. It was the plan of God. God had a plan. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Before there was trouble, there was an answer. Somebody say, praise God. Before you came along, he he had help for you. Before you were born, he had a plan to work on you. Before you ever knew it, he already set up up your salvation before you knew it. And whether you believe it or not, people say, well, you gotta believe. No, he does stuff that you don't believe, he's bigger than your belief. And so, Jesus was sent. Now, I want you to go with me, please, to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. This is the story. Of Joseph, How many of you have heard of the play and different uh, presentations of Joseph and the coat of many colors? Joseph was born to Jacob. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And so you have the children of Israel. We often refer to the Israelites, the Jewish people, as the children of Israel. And that is because Jacob, their father's name, was changed to Israel. Joseph was born to Israel and Joseph, his his father loved him and he was a son of his older age. And so as you get older, how many of you grandparents know, boy, it's easier to take care of grandkids than it was to take care of kids. (laughs) Easy, your kids are here, Bob. The truth is, and when you get older you learn you you know you go th- we didn't have a practice it'll give you you know a practice for your kids but by the time you get grandkids you think a little differently don't you just well jacob had joseph and he's an old man and he loved that boy and he made a coat of many colors he made a special coat for him and his brothers who were older they were out working in the field and all saw how jacob treated joseph and they were jealous they were jealous how many of you have ever been the victim of someone's jealousy? Anybody? How many of you have ever been jealous of somebody? Jealousy is terrible. It's a terrible feeling. It's it's a rotten feeling. And people do things that are terrible because of jealousy. And so these boys hated him. Well, Joseph, when he was just a young teenager, he had a dream. And in this dream, he and his brothers were represented by Wrapping sheaves, now we don't do this much anymore, but you've seen pictures of it where they would take the stalks of grain and wrap them together, they'd harvest it, put them in sheaves, and then they could pick them up and take them to the threshing floor, and he said, "I had a dream, and all your sheaves bowed down to mine. They just all bent toward mine. Well, the brothers were just furious. What do you say brother? You better get home to mama telling me we're going to bow down to you. Well, not much longer, he had another dream, and in this dream. How many of you ever had dreams you thought may be significant? Anybody? Or have any dreams that you knew for sure that just was pizza? That has nothing to do with God or my future. It just, that's a dream. He has another dream. And he said, in this dream, I saw the sun and the moon, and 11 stars bow down to me, which is representing his father and his mother and his brothers. And they were furious at him. His dad was upset at him for that. Well, one day his dad sends Joseph out to see the brothers, see how they're doing, shepherding. And when they saw him, they said, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. I'm sick of the boy. They were brutal. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. They're so jealous, they hate his guts. How many of you like those terms? Remember that? I hate your guts. None of you born in the 50s and 60s? Hate his guts. Let's kill him. One of the brothers interceded and said, no, let's throw him into a pit. Let's just figure out what to do later. So they put him in this pit, they take his coat, and they kill a, a goat and put blood all over it so they can take it to his dad. They see a, a caravan, and it's a caravan of Midianites, and they're headed to Egypt, and they sold their brother as a slave. The Bible in the New Testament speaks of the story and said he was distressed. It was, it just, it was just horrible for him, this boy, just a young teenage boy. They take the coat with the blood on it to their father and say, must have been an animal, must have killed your boy. He grieves. He's just brokenhearted. The son that he loves, the boys lied. They sell him to this caravan. He goes to Egypt. What a story. They take him to an auction block, and he's purchased by the captain of the king's guard, Pharaoh's captain, Potiphar buys Joseph, and he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. But while he's there, everything in the man's house goes well because God is with Joseph. And you know the story, there's this little side story that Potiphar's wife sees this good-looking young slave who's well-built and handsome, and she decides she wants that boy. And she starts tempting him and wanting him and talks to him and tries to woo him And he wants to have sex with this boy and he resists and resists until finally one day he's in the house and she's in the house and all of the other servants are gone. She grabs him by the coat and she says, come with me. And he said, I can't do this. And he runs out of the house leaving his coat in her hands. And she is mad. She's furious at this rejection. And she starts screaming and crying and acting like he tried to rape her. And when her husband comes home, he hits the ceiling. He's out of his mind angry at Joseph and throws him in prison. Well, now, we have a dream. Joseph's had dreams that his brothers are going to bow down, that the sun, the moon, and the stars bow down, and he's supposed to be living some special life. What is this that's going on? What is happening? I'm telling you, God has his hand on you. He has called you. You are his child. He loves you more than you can imagine. The stuff you're going through, what you're facing right now, is a part of a process that God is putting you through, and you sometimes don't know until afterward what it was all about. But Joseph, in prison, still honors God and he becomes the master of the prison. He ends up being favored. Lo and behold, after years in Egypt and in prison, two of the kings, two of Pharaoh's top closest people that he deals with every day, a baker and his cupbearer. The guys that visit with him every day are thrown in prison. I don't know what they did to offend the king, but they made him mad and he throws them in prison. And while they're in prison, they have dreams. Now we got dreams and coats. This story's just incredible. They have dreams, both on the same night. And t- Joseph sees him and says, what's up, guys? Why are you so upset? He said, oh, I had a dream. Man, this dream means something. I don't know what it is. What, what, what's the dream? And the baker said, well, I had, I had my basket full of bread on my head and the birds came and ate all the bread. Joseph said, well, that's not good news. You're going to die. What? Yeah. The butler, the the man that carried the cup to the king, he has a dream. And Joseph said, oh, that's a good dream. You're going to live. The king's going to restore you to your position in three days, and you are going to die. And it happened exactly like he said. He tells the cupbearer, hey, when you get back, when you're there, would you please just tell Pharaoh my story? I'm here. This is not right. I'm innocent. The butler goes back to work for the king and forgets completely about it until the pharaoh has a dream. Man, all these dreams. This is a great story. And in this dream, he sees sees seven beautiful stalks of grain and then seven shriveled up parts of grain eat the seven good and it's destroyed. He sees seven fat cows come up out of the river. And while he's watching seven skinny cows come out of the river. This is a weird dream, isn't it? And eat the fat cows. And he's in such a quandary, so confused by this. And his butler comes in in the morning and brings his cup. And he says, what's the matter, sir? He said, I've had these dreams that are driving me crazy. I can't tell what they mean. I've talked to my guys. Nobody knows. There's a guy in prison that can tell dreams. Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Tells him the dreams. Joseph said, this is the deal. There are going to be seven good years, wonderful, productive years in the land of Egypt. And then they're going to be followed by seven years of famine. It's going to be terrible. And because the Lord showed you twice in two different ways the same thing, you can can know for sure that's going to happen. Well, Pharaoh goes, who is wiser than you and knows God more than you, you gotta come out of prison and help me out. As a matter of fact, you're gonna you're gonna be the governor of all of Egypt. I'm gonna put you in charge of this project. We need to save we need to save all the grain we can these first seven years, and then we'll have grain in the in the time of famine. And Joseph said, That's really right. So Joseph now has been since a teenager, a a servant in Potiphar's house. He's been in prison. Now he comes up and he's with Pharaoh and the good years start and Joseph is now at 30 years old he begins this incredible national economic plan the seven years he stores grain more than can be counted in all of the cities and then the famine comes just as the Lord predicted just as God showed Pharaoh and guess who gets hungry and needs grain his brothers and his family And guess who their father sends to Egypt and ends up in Joseph's court bowing down to Joseph, the brothers. They don't recognize him. They don't know who he is. It's been years, decades. But as soon as they come in, he knows who they are. And I want to read to you now from Genesis chapter 45, Verse 4, Genesis 45, 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you to save lives. A blessing in disguise. Everything I've been through all makes sense now. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent him to save the world. We see the torment. We see the torture. We know about the whipping he took. We know about the cross. I've heard in my mind, I've heard the ringing of the hammer on those big nails. I've heard it. I've seen it. In my mind, I have imagined the horror of it. Only to read this, and realize God sent him to save us. Don't be distressed. Don't be angry at yourselves. How about that? How about if I stand here on this morning and tell you, don't have any more regrets. No more regrets. You were a mess. You've done horribly wrong things. You've done things you don't want to tell anybody. You don't want to talk about it. Well, don't Don't fear anymore. Don't regret anymore. Because what you did brought salvation to us. This is reality. He said to his brothers, you sold me. But don't be angry. God was doing a thing. I've been horrible. I felt bad about it. But the more I think about it, the more I realize God took my bad and turned it to good. I'm thanking him today. I'm standing here today going, I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because he's been good. It changes everything. I don't work anymore to be saved. I don't try anymore to be saved. I just believe in Jesus. I believe he saved me. And it's changing my behavior. Yes. Everything I tried to do all my life and couldn't accomplish, it's changing me because I believe in him. I'm going, what a good God. This makes me want to praise you. It makes me say thank you in the morning. Got water in the basement. Got ceilings in three stories of my house. Ceilings torn out. People coming Tuesday to tell us how much more it's going to cost than the insurance covers. Mm-hmm. So I wake up in the morning, Paulie, and I say, thank you, Jesus. There's nothing I've gone through before that didn't turn out to be some blessing in disguise. Everything you've done for me. I was so bad. You know why God let me be your pastor? Because I was so bad he knew you'd need somebody that had grace. He'd know there'd be such a mess of people up here that they needed grace, just grace, only grace, the love of God, only the love of God. No more judgmentalism and no more religion. They needed somebody that would come preach Jesus to them, and he sent me. <laughs> I just am telling you, I'm telling. He sent me. Uh, he sent me. What am I doing up here? Is there anybody here that sometimes gets sick of the snow? Yeah. Come on, Hard. Come on, some of you Minnesotans. You get tired of the cold? Let me see, let me see. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I can't wait for one 34 degree day. I can go fishing and the line doesn't freeze on my fishing rods. You hear what I'm telling you? If I had my brother, if I, you know, why didn't he send me to Miami? Orlando. Orlando. Maybe the north of Atlanta is the highest I want to go. Do you understand? Some of the things that you have faced, some of the suffering, some of the Some of the terrible disappointment even in yourself. God takes that and turns it to grace and mercy and kindness. At first, you judge other people. Have you ever, have you ever, maybe as a brother or sister in the family, you were told to do a certain chore. You're supposed to do something, and um, your brothers and sisters didn't have to do it. And you said, what about them? Huh, let me see. Are you... You still do that sometimes. You still do that. Look what I'm doing. Where is everybody else? Where's everybody? What's everybody else doing? I'm working so hard. Help me somebody. While I'm here on this, we need somebody to come here on Tuesday and help without looking around going, well, where's everybody else? Don't wait for somebody else to raise their hand. But do you remember the feeling? This. Oh, my God, look what I've done. I am telling you today, that what God has done in your life in bringing you to this place where you are now is to bring you to a recognition, just a fact, the fact that Jesus was sent to save us. He was sent to save me. It changed my life. And so he says, don't be upset with yourselves because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. First, verse 6, please. This is Genesis 45, 6. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. Verse 7. How about if he repeats himself? How about if the Bible repeats itself? But God sent me. God did this ahead of you. There are things that have happened in your life ahead of what someone else is facing so that you can help them. I wanted to call this committed to the purpose. I called it blessing in disguise. But the point is, you need to be committed to the fact that God's doing something bigger than you. Your life, is, your life matters. You're, there's something bigger going on than just what's going on in your mind and life. God's working things out in a bigger way. Somebody say, praise the Lord. How many of you are glad, sitting here right now, you've been in the church a while. How many of you are glad For the fact that God had grace and mercy on me when I was a kid growing up and I made such a mess of things that he proved his love for me so that that's the message that you hear. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I look back and think, well, I cussed myself. I I hated myself for what I was doing. Sue, I hated myself. I felt so weak. But the truth of the matter is I look back now and go, well, God knew exactly what he was doing because now I'm more gracious than anybody I know. I'm the happiest man I know. Ask my wife. I don't know anybody happier than me. I'm the happiest guy I know. I love it. I love what God's doing in my life. I get this and that going on. I think about it. It crosses my mind. I got, uh, I got several cancer surgeries coming up, and I'm going, you know what? There's a reason for all this. There's a reason. Do I want it? No, I don't want it. Do I like the pain? No, I don't like the pain. But the next time somebody else is in pain, I can get it. That's right. That's right. They tell us, you know, a part of the protocol, you know, pastors, they don't, they don't cry. Don't get emotional at a funeral. And I say to those people who say that, shut up. Shut up. If I feel like crying, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. I've lost my family. My dad died. My brother died. It makes me cry. Right? I'm sorry for the people, the sorrow. But then there's the other side of me that says, oh, I thank God because we wake up in his presence. We wake up in his presence. Bob, I think it was Bob Erickson that said to me, you know, people may not believe in grace until it's their family's funeral. Then they want to believe in the grace of God. I've been through what I've been through. And so I'm trying to give you two thoughts today. Number one, God Almighty is doing a marvelous work in your, in your life and that it is a blessing in disguise. Would you say a blessing in disguise? It's a blessing. You're going to be a blessing. I'll read these final verses and we'll finish. For two years now... Been famine and verse 7 God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and save your lives by a great deliverance that just sounds like Jesus talked to me verse 8 so then it was not you who sent me here but God I mean he said the same thing here three times in one breath It was God. It was God. It's God. God sent me. God sent me to save you. God sent me here. Don't be angry at yourselves. Don't be upset. God sent me here. The stuff you've been through, the things that you've been through brought you to this day. I don't know how you came here. I don't know why you came this day, but it's like God had his hand on you and was moving you around until you would come here today to hear that what you've been through, God has brought you through. God sent you now, and someone is going to be blessed because of the things that you've been through and because of the goodness and the grace of God in your life. You're going to share the goodness of God. He, he took religion out of me. He took scary stuff out of me. He, he, in other words, beat the hell out of me. Took it out and said, now you be nice. You be kind to everybody. Everybody. Yes, there's a purpose, and do you see that? I'm encouraging you today, don't be discouraged. You might be in the prison, you might be in trouble, it might seem to you like it's taking forever. This is a process. I'm preaching process to you today and telling you that it's a blessing in disguise. Let's stand, shall we? Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. To learn more about Grace Place, please visit our website at graceplacemn.org. Thanks for listening. May God bless you this week.